This message was presented at the GYC to the end in Houston, Texas. For other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org. Good morning, everybody. Very excited to talk with you about campus ministries. I have a real passion for that, as I do, as I'm sure all of you do. Um, campus ministries is important because not only do we have Seventh-day Adventist young people in our schools, amen, or universities, but we have lots of young people who are future leaders of the world in those universities. I mean, the Babylon universities of the world is where the Nebuchadnezzars are coming to power. It's right there. And you have a chance to be the first PC, and like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, to go in there, stand for what's right, right? And express the love of Christ and share the truth with people. So what an awesome thing to be a part of campus ministries. Um, as you know, also campus ministries, uh, campuses around the world are filled with every nation, kindred, tongue, and people. What angel's message does that uh, remind us of? Yeah, all of them, right? But especially the first angel's message, right? Every nation, kindred, tongue, and people, they are in the universities of today. Um, I've mentioned this to you already, but I'm just going to do it again. Uh, If you want to download the manual for one-year admission, you can do that at youth.avenus.org. If you want to get our new Avenus Youth Leaders magazine that we just produced, a brand new training on how to be a dynamic Christian Adventist youth leader. Everybody say Adventist. Adventist. We can learn a lot from other denominations on how to do youth ministry, but there's some things you cannot learn from other denominations. Our mission and message is unique, and the urgency of our message is important. And so uh, this magazine is geared toward Adventist youth leaders, and you can get that also at youth.adventist.org. Probably the best book I've ever read on prayer is this one by Melanie Mason. You guys know Melanie? She's doing actually workshops here on prayer, but um, this book is dynamic, Dare to Ask. I'm just sharing with you some books that I've been reading that have been a blessing to me and will help you as a missionary. This book right here will train you how to acclimate as you go to a different country, how to be able to change as you go into different countries. Excellent book. And my personal favorite, which I'll be talking about um, in the afternoon when we talk about how to be a missionary through small groups, is this book right here on the Holy Spirit. Uh, Not only does it show you, um, teach you about the Holy Spirit, and there's discussion questions at the end of each chapter, the first chapter of this book actually shows you how you can turn this into a, an evangelistic tool, a missionary tool, and reach people. So it's a dynamic resource. Um, there's another resource, and I'm not sure how good it is. It's called the Bible. <laughs> Anybody here read this at all? Uh, they say it's pretty good on, that, on these topics. No, it's my favorite book. In fact, um, did you know in the upper room, we know that they actually studied a, book, a particular book in the upper room. Did you know that? We know it because it was in Peter's sermon in Acts chapter 2. The book of Joel. The book of Joel is one of the most powerful books on the baptism of the Holy Spirit you'll ever read. In fact, Acts is the, uh, the fruitation of the book of Joel, right? So it's very, very interesting. But uh, yeah, the Bible is obviously the best book manuscript on, on being a missionary for God. So we're going to talk about living dangerously really quickly on public campus ministries, but let's begin with prayer. Can we do that? Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, in a few minutes we're going to hear from some dynamic uh, warriors for you, missionaries in public campus ministries. And we want to pray that you'll anoint their lips as they share with us and give us some ideas so how we can get involved in this very important ministry. Lord, you love the people in the universities. There are many like Nebuchadnezzar laying awake at night. Their hearts are pounding because they see... Things are happening, but they don't have any solutions, and they have no hope, and they're scared. But, Father, you're sending PCM missionaries into those universities to show 
the world what it means to be a Christian and, and what your heart is like, Lord, and to show them the truth and the prophetic messages that we've been given that warn the world but also bring incredible hope and encouragement. We thank you, God, that every one of these young people are being called by you like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to go in Daniel. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so I wanted to um, just remind you that we do have a simple strategy. We see every youth as an arrow, amen, flying in the most dangerous places of the earth, and we've targeted three areas that we really want to move the armies of the Lord in those three directions, okay? What are those three directions? Go. You got it. Cities, universities, and the 1040 window. We've talked about that a lot, so I won't go into that. But we're not, just, we're not just saying we need to go. We've also created, we've talked about some of our initiatives that we have, and you guys have heard about these. We're going to be talking about the first one, Public Campus Ministries, uh, for the next 30 or 40 minutes. Mission Caleb, one-year mission, and then the 100K is another initiative. Where would you go to learn about all these initiatives to get involved? Where would you go? You guys are brilliant. Um, my question to you is, are you really qualified? Are you qualified to be a missionary? I mean, have you ever wondered that? Really, can I, can I go? And can God actually use me? By the way, did you know that God does not call the qualified? He what? Don't you love that quote? But I wanted to share with you something from Ellen White, where Ellen White says there's actually three requirements, at least three requirements, simple requirements for you to be an effective missionary. And I love it. So let's read this together, okay? And see if you can pick up on the three. All right, let's read it together. One, two, three, go. With deep interest and grateful, wondering joy... The disciples listened to the words of Paul. By faith, they grasped the atoning sacrifice of Christ and acknowledged him as their redeemer. They were then baptized in the name of Jesus and Paul laid his hands upon them. They received also the baptism of the Holy Spirit by which they were enabled to speak the languages of other nations and to prophesy. Thus, these men were qualified to act as missionaries in the important field of Ephesus and its vicinity and also from the center to spread the gospel of Christ in Asia Minor. So three requirements that you need to have. What are the, th- what are the three? What's the first one? You need to have faith in the atoning what? Ah, do you know what Jesus did for you on the cross? Do you know the gospel? Amen? Do you know what Jesus did for you on the cross? You know I spend most of my life trying to get God to like me. And then finally I realized He actually does like me. I used to think the cross was to make God like me. I didn't realize that God gave the cross because he did like me. The cross is his way of saving me and saving you. And when Jesus died on the cross, he didn't say, it is the beginning. No, he said, it's finished. Amen? In fact, when we see Jesus in heaven, we don't see him standing up like the priests in the Old Testament. We see him sitting down. His work is finished. And he invites you in Ephesians to sit with him. In other words, he's inviting you to rest with him. It's very interesting. It's when you see Jesus in the Bible, he's always at the right hand of the Father. This is at the side of grace. Amen? He's at the right side. That means he's at the side of power and the side of grace. You can go to Jesus and get power and get grace in your time of need. Amen? Um, so we serve a wonderful Savior. Now I know that, I, that I'm a missionary, not to make God like me, but because he does, and I want other people to know how much he loves them. That's it. So the first step is you need to, um, by faith, grasp the atoning sacrifice of Christ. So know that you are saved by the blood of the Lamb. Amen? And number two, what's the second thing? You need to be baptized in water, right? We need to be baptized. That's your first step. And maybe there's some of you here today that may be holding off on that. Well, God is calling you to be baptized. It's a simple step. Jesus did it, right? And if we're his disciples, we would follow him, right? 
So get baptized. Don't delay. Be baptized. And what's the last thing? They receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Don't miss my last talk uh, this, e- this afternoon, which will be on uh, a missionary's best friend, the Holy Spirit. Uh, you can be baptized with the Holy Spirit. We'll actually give you a chance to receive a baptism of the Holy Spirit through the laying on of hands. If you want me to or one of our pastors to lay hands on you today and ask that you be filled with the Holy Spirit, we can do it. You know why? Because the Bible says we can. So those are the three things. So if you're thinking in your heart, maybe they're one of those three things, you've, those three things you need to get in line in your life. Amen? Right? Have you looked at the cross? Have you received the atoning blood of Jesus? Have you been baptized? What's the next thing? Have you had laying on of hands and received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Remember, there's not just one baptism. There's two, right? And don't get me wrong. There's one baptism for membership, but there's a second baptism, baptism of the Holy Spirit, for ministry. By the way, we have no record of Jesus' ministry before he received the Holy Spirit. No record. It was only after the Holy Spirit came on him when he came up out of the water, remember that? That his ministry became dynamic and he was able to move forward. Because he was showing us the same way we can also be powerful as missionaries. There's a lot there. Okay, so let's move on here a little bit. Um, I don't know if you've heard this story. I just thought I'd share it with you real quickly. How many of you have seen The Passion of the Christ by Mel Gibson? Anybody seen that movie? Pretty dramatic, right? Um, this gentleman right here who played Barnabas, I don't know if you've read his story. His name is Pedro Cerubai. Uh Pedro um, wanted to play the part of Peter, but uh, Mel Gibson had already found someone that he thought would do a better job, who looked more like the part. So he did give him a brief little part as Barabbas in the movie. And I don't know if you remember this scene, particular scene here. What's very interesting is this man, Pedro, uh, had no real interest in God. It was all about his career. It was all about his, old, his, his own success. He was involved in drugs and all kinds of craziness in his life. He just wanted a job. But Mel Gibson said to him, listen, I'm going to hire you to be Barabbas, but I don't want you to look at Jesus once the entire time until it's your turn. So the guy said, okay, that's, that's, that's easy enough. So... What he was not allowed to look at Jesus after, and you know, if you've seen the movie, I probably should have brought the clip. I'll do it next time, maybe. But Jesus had all been lacerated, and, and you know, he'd just been beaten by the Roman soldiers, and he's standing there. And this is the first time this actor actually sees Jesus at this point. And if he wrote a book, it's just an amazing book about how his life changed with just a glance at the cross, at the at Jesus. When he looked at him, some God used that. That when he looked at Christ and he saw what he, what he, what he looked like after being beaten, beaten, this actor suddenly made, a, made the connection of what Christ had done for him on Calvary's cross right there in the acting. His life was never the same. It's an amazing story. Transformed by that story, by, by that experience. Um, right there. That's the picture. One glance of Jesus. If you just get one ray of his love for you, your life's going to be changed. If you know how much he loves you. By the way, I love this saying. If it wasn't for the cross, only God would know how much he loves you. Think about that for a minute. If it wasn't for the cross, only God would know how much he loves you. Think about that for a minute. The cross is the absolute revelation of how much you're deeply loved by the Lord. All right, I've got to get going or I'm going to start preaching. So. But... We are here to talk about a wonderful ministry, and that is a ministry to our dear uh, young people in universities. And I, I thought you might appreciate a little video from, um, well, here's, here's some pretty cool quotes right here from Ellen White on how the Waldensians would go out into public campus ministries. So if anybody tells you that public campus ministry is not of God, well, you can just show them these quotes from the fourth chapter of Great Controversy. What chapter? 
how the Waldensians were sent. They were prepared, and they would go in and they would um, reach the universities. I won't read the whole thing, but they converted many people. In fact, it's kind of humorous right here. She says they were so effective when they went into these universities that the priests were like, where are all these converts coming from? They couldn't understand why the Protestant movement was growing in their universities. Because the, <laughs> these, these young PCM workers were going in there converting people in the name of Jesus. Pretty cool. It's right here. She says it right there. But it's a great conference. It's chapter 4. Here's a um, little note from our world um, PCM director. Do you guys know G1? He's a good friend of mine. He's going to say a few words to you. He was not able to be here because he's in a plane right now, but he did this for us. Hello, friends. How are you? Especially the GYC friends. I'm happy to bring greetings from Tanzania uh, in East Central Africa Division. Here, uh, they are having a a special division-wide PCM or Public Campus Ministries Students Summit 2018 titled, We Still Believe. Uh, from December 24 to until the 7th. If I'm not here, I'll be there with you. Uh, and But however, from here, from Africa, I want to send a special message to you. The theme that you chose is so timely. Uh, go big, you know, so that you know we can hasten the coming of Jesus Christ. God has given us a very, very special uh, message, uh, the message of the three angels' messages. And I believe it is the duty of every Seventh-day Adventist to become messengers of the cross. I pray and hope, and it is my dream, that one day that our leaders you know, stand in front of their young people and say that every Adventist youth should become a missionary for Christ and give at least one year for the Lord. I know that uh, Elder um, uh, Pastor Gary Blanchard, the World Youth Director, is also committed. He's a friend of mine. We're partners. We're both in committing and transforming our young people to be ambassadors and missionaries for Christ. So uh, I wanted to you know, invite and encourage my GYC friends. Let's partner together. Let's work together in training our young people in finishing this gospel um, work for Jesus so that we may see Jesus come in this very generation. So from uh, far away, but I, my, my, my prayers are with you. I greet you in the name of Jesus Christ. And may he give you power for you to go and change the world. Uh, the theme for PCM is follow Jesus, embrace his mission, change the world. So go and change the world one life at a time. God bless you and hope to see you soon. And uh, looking forward to uh, uh, meeting all of you. God bless you. Maranatha. Amen. That was very nice of him to do that. He jumped on a plane right after that, and he's in the air now. But I want to make sure you're really clear. PCM is the umbrella over the World Church. It's the Public Campus Ministries umbrella. But here in the North American Division, we call it what? ACF. What does that stand for? Adventist Christian Fellowship. So we're going to hear from Adventist Christian Fellowship. What do you think? Should we hear from them? Okay, so here is your campus ministry leaders. So we're going to invite uh, our first guest speaker to come on up here. Let's give her a big hand, everybody. are not made for women. (laughs) No place to clip it. Well, hello, everyone. Um, How many of you are students at a public university right now? 
Whoa, that's a lot of you. How many of you guys plan to go to a public university or graduated from a public university? Wow. And how many of you know someone who goes to a public university? Everyone should have their hand raised at this point. Great. Well, I'm Michelle Lee. I'm, I serve as the Vice President of Programming for Adventist Christian Fellowship, which you see on the screen here. We just heard from Pastor Jiwon Moon, who is in charge of PCM, or Public Campus Ministries, for the entire World Church. And I uh, volunteer for Adventist Christian Fellowship, which is, as Pastor Gary mentioned, um, the organization here in the NAD. And you're all familiar, familiar with what the NAD is. It's the North American Division, so it's uh, Canada and the United States. Am I? Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, before I begin, I just want to introduce um, two of my colleagues. So can I have Alex and Kim stand up? Um, so this is Alex here. Alex serves as the Vice President of Regions for ACF, and Kim serves as the Vice President of Logistics, and we're all students, so ACF is primarily student-led, um, and I'm a PhD student at the University of Texas at Austin working on a dissertation um, in American Religious History, and I'm really honored to be here with you today. Um, so I just want to spend a few minutes describing what we do and then also sharing part of my own testimony about campus ministries. I've been doing campus ministries for about uh, 10 years now, 11 years, <laughs> um, and it has been a blessing to me. It's really true that when you're involved in ministry, the blessing is really yours as well as others. Um, so just a roadmap for what I'm going to say. I'm going to talk a little bit about what ACF is, um, and then I'll share about my own experience, and then we'll have Alex come up and interview a few local PCM leaders. So um, I am looking forward to sharing. So ACF... Uh, is, like I said, a student-led organization um, sponsored by the NAD. So it's the NAD's Outreach to Public Campus Ministries. And so here we have a few um, student leaders. You may recognize some of us here. <laughs> this is from our conference two years ago in Arizona. And we have a conference every year, every spring in May. Um, this coming year, it's going to be at UC Berkeley. And so if you're interested in more information about that, we actually have a booth in the exhibit hall. So come and talk to us about that. Um, so yeah, we have... Uh, Pastor Moon and um, Pastor Tracy, who also works for the GC, or the NAD, um, and, and then us student leaders. And these are our attendees. We have attendees coming from um, all across North America. But today, I really want to spend my time sharing with you about um, my own experience in campus ministries, because I really find personal stories to be the most compelling. Okay, thanks. Um, 70%. Does anyone know what that percentage is referring to? Anyone want to take a guess? Yeah, you got it. So it's the number, it's the percentage of Adventist young people in North America who attend a public university. So are we in the majority or the minority? <laughs> We're in the majority, but it often doesn't feel that way, right? <laughs> um, but we are. I uh, started school at Stanford um, University out in California, Palo Alto, uh, many years ago. And <laughs> I, um, when I got there, I, I knew that I wanted a deeper experience with God. Um, I had taken some classes at Harvard when I was in high school, and I had met someone who was doing campus ministries there. And I was just struck by her brilliance, but also her godliness. And so I knew when I went to 
university that I would want to have that experience also. Um, and so I applied to all these colleges. I actually wanted to go to an Adventist school, but long story short, I ended up at Stanford, the one school I did not want to go to. Um, <laughs> it's funny how that works. <laughs> and it was also the one university that I got into that didn't have an active Adventist campus ministry. And so I got there, and I was really disappointed. I was like, well, God, why did you lead me here? And I actually tried to transfer out to another school <laughs> um, my freshman year, and God closed the door on that. And so I said, well, it must be God's will that I'm here at Stanford. Um, and so I started going door-to-door in my dorm, knocking on the doors, asking people if they wanted Bible studies. Um, and I, I wanted to be involved in campus ministri- ministries, but I didn't know exactly how. Um, so I was going door-to-door with the Bible worker at my local church. By the way, you should totally connect to your local church if you're a student at a public university. They're there to be your family um, and to keep you grounded during that time. Um, and it was really hard. I had people mocking me publicly for sharing my faith. And so I started to ask myself if I wanted to really be an Adventist. You know, like, is it really worth the public humiliation? And also, is it really worth having this weird faith going through a world-class research university that teaches something completely different than what I believe? Um, At that time, I... I was asked by a friend at my church um, who was actually who had become Adventist while attending Stanford um, if I wanted to go to GYC. So I came to GYC for the first time as a freshman in college. And I came and I saw all these other young people that wanted to serve God. I had felt so alone on my university. Have you guys ever felt that way as a student? You know, you're just like keeping the Sabbath by yourself in your dorm room, right? It's probably one of the loneliest times of the week. Um, And so I came, and I saw all these other young people that wanted to serve God, and I I had a personal revival in my life. And I said, Lord, I I really want to serve you, um, even if it's difficult. And it was at GYC that I came to a PCM booth, the campus booth, actually, and we'll be hearing from campus in a little bit. Um, And I, I found out that I really wasn't alone, that there were other people like myself who were going to public universities. I got connected there. And by the end of the year, that first fresh, that my freshman year, I had made a decision for baptism, for rebaptism. Um, and it's interesting how you can be raised Adventist, but not really believe it yourself until you have to share your faith and defend it. And so um, I was hiking up in the hills behind my university one day, and I just felt this impression that I needed to recommit my life to God for myself. Um, I did that, and then I actually decided to take a year off of school to spend a year in mission. And so I went to Michigan and was involved in um, campus ministries training there. And God changed the trajectory of my life through that experience. I, um, I had gone into college thinking I wanted to be pre-med, like most Asians. (laughs) And, (laughs) um, I can say that because I'm Asian. (laughs) And then as I was studying prophecy um, at campus in Michigan, I really felt that this was how God wanted me to share the gospel with others, through history. And I had never taken a history class before, but I just felt that that was God's calling on my life. And so I got back to Stanford after that year off, and I immediately changed my major to history. And I had never taken a history class before, but I was just, like, convicted. You know when, like, God is convicting you and you just can't push that conviction away? That's what happened to me. Um, 
So I came back, and I, the first history class I took was a class on the history of Islam. Um, and my professor was lecturing about um, eschatology and Islam one day. Eschatology is a fancy word for prophecy or end time events. And I went up to her after the class. It was a small group class, so there were about 10 of us. And I went up to her afterwards, and I said, um, I'm really interested in eschatology. Like, that was a great lecture. And she said, oh, why are you interested in eschatology? Why are you interested in prophecy? And I said, well, because I'm Adventist, and Adventists have um, a very unique understanding of the end time. Um, and she, you know, she turned to me, and it's, it's so great how God confirms our decisions sometimes through these amazing events. And she turned to me, and she said, I used to be Adventist. Um, and my mom is still Adventist, but I decided to leave the church. And it was just a personal... Um, it was just a moment where I realized that there are people on this campus that need to be reached. And God was just, I heard that voice from behind saying, this is the way walkie in it. Um, one, of my, one of my concerns when I left uh, Stanford to take a year off, and this, you know, it, it's hard to do that, you know, when you kind of have a spreadsheet for your life, and you're like, I'm going to do this in five years or four years, and then I'm going to go get my PhD, and then I'm going to, like, get a minivan and like whatever. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> so taking this year off was, was really challenging for me mentally. Um, and one of the things I was really concerned about was that the campus ministry that I had started with blood, sweat, and tears would just disappear when I left. Um, you know, in the time that I was in Michigan, that I was gone, the campus ministry actually grew in my absence and God sent people to lead it out while I was gone. It's it's really not our work, it's God's work. And he was teaching me that. Um, I'm not perfect. I, I wasn't perfect back then. There, I have a lot of faults, and yet God really, 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 really blessed. This is our campus ministry. Um, we're Adventists, can you tell? <laughs> From our picture, we went to the beach one day and uh, had a potluck there. And that campus ministry at Stanford um, several years later is still active, and I praise the Lord for that. Um, I just want to kind of wrap up my story by talking about three things, three practical tips that I learned um, from my time at Stanford. The first one is that I felt very alone, and I've mentioned that already. Um, And I think sometimes when it comes to ministry, it's scary to do something alone, but what I've learned with campus ministry and through my experience with the Lord is that it only takes one person. I was the only person that was interested that I knew of in doing campus ministries at this research university that has thousands of people. Um, and God blessed, God blessed. And so if you're alone on your university, do what you can. Connect to your church. You really aren't alone, actually. Connect to your local church, connect with your pastor, your Bible worker. And do what you can to start that campus ministries. You know, many times I was just sitting alone in a room by myself with one other member from church for our Friday night vespers on campus. But God slowly grew that. Um, And so have courage. Take courage. God will help you. Um, You're not alone. And, you know, it's funny that as I was uh, alone on that campus, back (laughs) back then on Facebook you could actually, like, search people by their religion. Um, this is a while ago. So um, I would like type Seventh-day Adventist into the Stanford network on Facebook, and I would find all these Adventists. Um, and I was like, oh, okay, I need to watch out for that one. 
um, but I didn't know how to meet them. And so I started praying. I was all alone. Um, but I started praying. I said, Lord, I, I need more people to work with me. And, um, you know, it's so funny. I, I would just walk down the street on campus, and I would run into these people that I had been stalking on Facebook. I'd be like, hey, are you so-and-so? They're like, yeah. <laughs> are you Adventist? And that's how I met a lot of Adventists on campus. Um, what, what I'm saying is that you really aren't alone. God is helping you in this. Um, in fact, you're never alone. The second thing that I want to mention is that there are thousands of other students on the same mission as you. It's just that you may not see them. Um, Connect with your local church, connect with ACF, come by our booth. We're actually registering student groups right now. Um, Actually, Alex is in charge of that. Raise your hand, Alex. (laughs) Um, And that way you can be connected with other campus ministries. Get connected with Campus, the Center for Adventist Ministry to Public University Students. Um, Register, again, your student network with with us. Um, Come to GYC. You really aren't alone. Um, God has people who are united in mission with you, and that's something that I learned through my own experience. And then the last thing that I want to mention is that you're also not alone because this is Jesus' mission. Um, And it's not your mission. The burden isn't on you. Um, I want to just share this quote from Third Selected Messages, um, page 234. And if you're a student on a public university, you have to write this reference down and read it because it's an entire chapter dedicated to being a student at a public university. But she writes at the very end of this chapter, she's talking to Adventist students who are going to the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor. But it applies to all of us um, who are students at public universities She says, this work must be done, and it will be done by those who are led and taught of God. There are actually prophetic statements about doing public campus ministries. Don't you find that encouraging? God actually intends for us to do campus ministries, and he says that it will be done by those that are led and taught of him. So you're not alone. Um, God is with you, and he's actually carrying the burden that you may may feel you're carrying. Um, I just want to end my short time up here by connecting you with a few resources. Is that okay? So the first one is come by our ACF booth and register your organization. Um, We have events and resources funding um, events like ACF Institute throughout the year um, so that you can be connected to us and that you can also grow your campus ministry. Um, We do trainings. We also do mission trips. We just did a mission trip to Philadelphia and worked with three campuses there. Um, And as a result, the conference is actually investing in campus ministries in Pennsylvania. Um, And so if you're interested in that, come and talk to me. I'd love to talk to you about coordinating a mission trip. Um, There's also ACF Institute. I don't know if I have a slide for that. Um, ACF Institute is the annual training institute that I was telling you about. It's every May. It's at UC Berkeley this coming year. And um, again, come to our booth. We have a little handout for that. Um, And oops, here's another way to get in touch with us. So we're on Slack. How many of you guys use Slack? It's a big thing in like Silicon Valley where it's startups. It's like a group. Uh, conversation that you can join and there's a bunch of us that go to public universities that are on it it's a great way to just reach out it's pretty low key Um, 
We're on Twitter, we're on Facebook. Uh, we're not on Snapchat yet. <laughs> but if anyone is an expert in Snapchat, come talk to me. Or you can email us. Um, I actually put my personal email up there so that you can reach out if you'd like to about Campus Ministries, and I'll be responding to you. Um, and the last thing that we have is that we have handouts from um, Campus. So Campus is an acronym. It's the Center for Adventist Ministry to Public University Students. It's based in Michigan. It's sponsored by the Michigan Conference. They have a one-year training, um, which, which is the one that I completed. And um, Elena, who is a student in Michigan and has also worked for campus, do you want to stand up? Elena is going to share um, a handout about um, with with tips for how to get involved in campus ministries. I, I know that not everyone here is a student, um, so there's a sheet for your local church. Um, there's a tip sheet for students for faculty, pastors, lay people. Um, so. This is a group effort. This isn't just something that you do on your own. Again, you're not alone. Um, this is something that your entire church can be involved in. Um, with that, I'm going to hand the mic over to Alex. Thanks so much for listening. I'd love to connect after the seminar. Um, and Alex is going to come up and introduce some student leaders who are like actually on the ground doing this stuff. All right. All right, if I can have those join me that are going to come up. Yeah, you can just stand right here to my left. <coughs> All right, excuse me if I cough. I have been fighting something. However, I will pray that my voice will be clear enough. So my name is Alex. I am the VP of Regions for Adventist Christian Fellowship, the NAD student-run public campus ministry initiative. And I work with Michelle and I work with Kim, and my job is to engage with students from all across the division. And so I have with me here today students from the Lake Union Conference, uh, specifically students from Michigan. So I'm going to go down the line and ask what your name is and what school you go to. And we're going to do this relatively quickly. I'm Kelly, and I go to the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor. Sasha Rose, and I also go to the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor. I go to, I'm... I'm Abigail, <laughs> and I go to Western Michigan University in Kalamazoo. I'm Jonathan Woodhall. I go to Central Michigan University. My name is Rachel, and I go to Michigan State University. My name is Jesse, and I'm a campus ministry at MSU. I'm Omad, and I go to Michigan State University. I'm Alma, and I was a student at, at University of Michigan. All right, so the first one, two, three, four, five people right here, five people are student, current students right now. These last three to my right are actually missionaries with the Center for Adventist Ministry to Public University students. So they're doing their one year in training to do public campus ministry. And Ahmad was a student at um, MSU and Alma at U of M. All right. And so I have some questions for them just to get, kind of give you guys a introduction to what public campus ministry entails. And so first off, um, there's, some, there's some realities that you really have to work with when you're doing public campus ministry. One of the realities that you have to deal with is that there might not be a Seventh-day Adventist chapter or student group at your university. So what do you do when you want to start a ministry there? Well, Jonathan has actually premiered this year uh, his ACF chapter at Central, Univers uh, Central Michigan University. So tell me, what is, give me one strength that you guys have found in building your team, but also one challenge that you guys have found. Um, one strength I would say is just realizing that you are like the forerunners. You're the first people 
to, to begin something new on that campus. So that really puts a lot of pressure, but it also gives you a lot of, um, I don't know the right word for it, but you want to start it right. And so that, that's an advantage because you, you see that you are responsible for getting this off on a good leg or good start. Um, disadvantages are sometimes it can go really slow, to be honest. I mean, you're just starting out, um, especially if you're very new to it. It could be difficult to learn how to even get registered as a student group on campus. Um, there's a lot of things that kind of go into it, um, creating a constitution, getting registered. Um, you have to have a certain amount of people, an advisor um, on the university. So those are some challenges, but they're definitely able to be overcome. Right. So like you said, you are the forerunners, but you guys also, you know, it, it's, it can be challenging logistically. So make sure that you have a, a really good uh, idea of what you're getting into when you start these things. And a lot of those resources can be found on your university, um, you know, uh, student group or student organization webpage. They have a lot of those guidelines, okay? So that's, so that's one reality you might face. You're starting a university chapter, right? But sometimes you're, you, you start to attend a university. You're at a university that has a very long established university chapter that actually has really deep roots involving with UIC or other ministries like U of M. For example, Randy Skeet, he started his ministry in speaking at U of M as the chaplain, all right, at Tuesdays with Jesus, correct? So here I have two students from U of M who are both the presidents of not one, but two student groups there. Now, one of them, Kelly, you're the president of the Adventist Christian Fellowship Student Group, and you... Uh, sorry, oh, Campus Hope, and you are the president of the Adventist Christian Fellowship Group. Okay, and now Campus Hope, tell me, what is Campus Hope? So Campus Fo- Hope focuses mainly on weekend events, vespers, and church service. We host a church service on campus in one of our unions, and we focus on Sabbath afternoon outreach and, well, feeding students and having just um, being a place for students to come together and hang out and to be with other Adventists to help build their faith and the reverence of the Sabbath. And then ACF is in charge of the weekly events. And so the Bible studies that we have during the week or sporting events, anything that is social and evangelistic, we would be, we would be responsible for that. Okay, so these, so, so these two young ladies have actually divided and conquered, you know, this, this outreach idea, right? It's, you know, so you have, you know, your church service, you're more, you know, you're more traditional, you know, Adventist church service that happens, uh, which I have been very blessed to speak at, actually. It's fantastic. But then also your, your on-campus events, you know? So that's one reality. You might have a really, you might be at a university or attending uh, in the future a university that has a very, you know, deeply uh, rooted student group. But then what happens when you are attending a university where there was a, a student group, but it's kind of fallen through the cracks, or maybe, as students do, they've graduated, you know? Rachel, you are currently at Michigan State University, and you are the only active member currently of the Michigan State University Adventist Christian Fellowship student group. Is that correct? Yes. Okay, and so did you guys have a very active student group last year? We did have a good active student group last year. And what happened to those students that were active? So the active board members all graduated or left on an internship. So all at the same time, graduated or went on an internship. These things happen. This is the reality of being at a university, right? People move on or people go into internships for their profession. So do you have support at Michigan State University? Uh, for students, no. But we have Campus, which is the missionary training program. So we partner together to help with MSU. 
So what you're telling me is that even though you don't have many active students there, you do have active young people in the area that you can partner with that are willing to help you out, and even a local church that's willing to help out and, and provide funding and space for events. Yes. So this is very, very, very important, right? When you are doing public campus ministry, you must realize that it's not just you on campus. Just like Michelle was saying, you're not alone. You might have other friends, other, other local churches, other people, lay people that really want to invest in that, uh, in that ministry, in public campus ministry. And thankfully, you know, Michigan State University has campus right there with their missionaries. And so let me ask some questions. Jesse, why did you become a campus missionary? Give up a whole year of your life to not go overseas, to not go, you know, to an impoverished area, but to go to a public university, why did you take a year off? Because I just have a strong passion for helping people and leading, leading others to Christ and also just being a part of something so much, bi- so much bigger and just um, really making a difference in other people's lives through Christ. Interesting. And now, Jesse, you were actually reached out to through a campus missionary, weren't you? Um, yeah. Yeah. He was. <laughs> you know, so Jesse actually became Adventist through Bible studies and things like that with a campus missionary and decided to give a year back. And this is not actually very uncommon because Ahmad, that's the exact same situation to you. Where did you go to school? Michigan State. I was in my fifth year and I started getting involved with campus, going to the small group Bible studies. That's actually how I came into the church is through campus. Also decided to give a year back. Um, and you, how, how close are you to graduating? Oh, I'm about nine credits away. <laughs> nine credits away, and he decided to take a year off to do mission work in this field. And I know you students out there, maybe your freshmen are like, oh, it's nine credits, that's a whole lot of time. But I know you seniors are like, wait, 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 wait. You took a year off when you only had three classes left? Are you crazy? That's what he did, because he decided he wanted to share. And Alma, what drove you to take a year off to do mission work at campus? For me personally, it was just, I went to U of M, So just like the impact that it had in my life, I think was really big, and that's why I wanted to do campus. Very good. Public campus ministry is something that reaches not just not just students, not just churches, but it reaches everyone in an area where there's a university because it reaches the community, it reaches the, the lay people at your church, it reaches you know the students, of course, professors, it reaches the staff, it reaches everybody. Public campus ministry is something that is so far-reaching because it also reaches professionals who are not yet professionals, who are professionals in training. Okay, public campus ministry is very versatile, and it's super, super, super important to invest in. So if there's any students out here I want you guys to understand, you can make a huge difference in your communities, in your churches, and also in your own lives by saying, God, I want you to lead me to public campus ministry. I really want to take action. I want to take initiative to do this. If there's any lay people here who are no longer students, you are so valuable to public campus ministry. We as students, I speak as a student myself, we need you. We need your investment. We need your, your, your space. We need your, we need your um, emotional investment. We need your leadership. We need everything from you because we are, you know, otherwise we do feel alone. We feel like our students are doing it ourselves. We need that mentorship. We just need that guidance. We need all of that. If there's pastors in this room, we need pastors in public campus ministry, people who will go onto the university campus and engage with the ideas that this day and age is putting forward. We need pastors who will invest in their young people and rise up leaders for the world church. And these are the leaders in Michigan that are serving their world church because, you know, every single conference is a part of the world church. Right, Gary? Every single conference, 
Right? These are the students of Michigan who are deciding to take a stand for their world church. So I want to, you know, let's give these guys a round of applause for the work that they're doing. And also, let's give glory to the to our Lord because he has put these people in place to make a difference on their universities. And he's put th- people like Gary Blanchard, our youth director for the World Church, in place to support public campus ministry. He's put leaders like Michelle and Kim and myself in place where we can help students and invest in you guys. And so, Gary, I want to thank you for this time. And Michelle, I want to thank you for this time, too. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Very exciting. So we have another presentation, which I think you're really going to love. He's got the last uh, 10, 15 minutes he's going to be sharing with you his testimony in PCM ministry. But I wanted to um, just give them one more big hand. Everyone here, that oh, their presentation was very, very good. So let's say, let, let's say you're sitting there right now going, man, wouldn't it be awesome if I could download a manual that could teach me how to reach my local university with all the details and stuff on how to do that? Where would you go? You could go to youth.adventist.org. We have a link to the PCM website. Or you could skip the metal man, middleman, and you could go to, everybody say, pcm.adventist.org. All right? So if you did pcm.adventist.org, you could go there. You could download promo videos and the training manual, everything you need to start your PCM ministry in your university. So let's turn it over to my brother. Thank you, brother. Do you need this right here? I think it, uh, does okay. this work? Yep, Can no. you guys hear me in the back okay? Sometimes my voice carries anyways, so it's all good. Well, thank you so much, Pastor Gary, for inviting me to share. And I wanted to share a little bit about a, a ministry that my wife and I have been involved in over at the UC Berkeley campus called Christ Method Alone. And so I saw a lot of hands go up earlier for people that have been in, in public campuses either now or, or, or planning to go. And so I'll, uh, I'll share our story here briefly. So this all took place at UC Berkeley. I was a student there. Long story short, I ended up starting a business, dropping out of school, left Christ, left everything for the pursuit of money. And I went to GYC in 2005, and it had a huge conversion experience, a really big one. And so after that, I ended up going into volunteer full-time ministry for two years in Southern California, and God was good. I started to backslide a little bit, and so I wasn't really passionate about ministry anymore. I also... Wasn't interested in making money. I was broke at the time. I had lost a lot of my money when I was doing ministry stuff. And so my parents said, go back to school. They always wanted me to go back to school because I had dropped out of school. And so I called the school and I went back to school in 2008. And so I'm just kind of a student going around. I ended up starting another business and I met this girl named Chanchi. And so, does anybody know her by any chance? Okay, I know a few, uh, yeah, a few of you maybe met her. Um, so I met her and she was actually a Buddhist at the time. Kind of an agnostic Buddhist. And so we were working together. She started to develop an interest in where I was going on Friday night. And so I said, well, yeah, you can come. And it was our local Friday night ACF Bible study. And so from there, she had some questions. So we started studying the Bible. Now, keep in mind, I was pretty backslidden at this time. But she had questions, and I knew the Bible. So I started giving her Bible study. She became a Christian, became an Adventist. Amen? She was baptized, and she started to do a lot of ministry. And so she didn't really know what she was doing. She didn't really know the Bible or anything like that. But she would go talk to people, pray with people, whatever. And so a couple years after this, she actually came to GYC in 2013 and got on fire even more and went back and just started to do ministry even more. Now, we had started dating around this time, too. And so, praise the Lord, we also ended up getting married. Amen. And so... 
Public campus ministry, friends. Public campus ministry. Amen. And so, (laughs) meeting the needs of our young people. And so, essentially, we became married. Now, right when we got married, this was in summer 2014, she, she took some time off for the wedding, and then she says, Sean, you know, I feel like I want to be a, God's calling me to be a missionary for a year. So I'm thinking, well, where? You know, you're going to go to Cambodia, you're going to go to Africa, what? And she said, no, right here in Berkeley, where we are, to literally just quit her job. She was working at KPMG as an accountant, so she quit her $70,000 a year job and volunteered as a missionary on campus, not even connected in any organization or anything, just straight up volunteered and just said, I'm just going to go. And so she starts doing this. Well, we came across this quotation, all right? And this was the blueprint for that effort. This is when Christ Meth Loan started in 2014. This is what it says. Some of you are familiar with this, the Ministry of Healing. Christ's method alone will give true success in reaching the people. The Savior mingled with men as one who desired their good. He showed his sympathy for them. He ministered to their needs and won their confidence. Then he bade them follow me. All right? So there's five elements in this. You guys see them? Five of them. They're underlined. Look at this. Here's another way to say it. He mingled. Then he had sympathy. He ministered to their needs won their confidence, and then told them to follow him. So, translated, make friends, hang out with folks. Does that make sense? Actually care about people, number two. And then actually help them with something that you can help them with. Now you're actually going to have influence over their lives. Then you actually share the gospel as we find it in Scripture. Does that make sense? So this is the blueprint. We've actually already been given this. This is Christ's method alone. This is why this ministry was called Christ's method alone for this reason. And so I've seen a couple of wrong approaches, okay? So this is something that I had done before. You kind of do this backwards. So you come off of a GOIC or something like this. You're on fire for Christ. And you start with just sharing the gospel like crazy. And that's good, right? But you're going backwards. So you're, you're hoping to share the gospel and then gain influence over them. Then maybe help them. Now you actually kind of care about them, and then maybe now you become friends. Does that make sense? But this is backwards. Given This is the opposite of the blueprint that we're given in the ministry of healing. So this is something I've done in the past, but I don't recommend it. This is another thing that happens sometimes. I also don't recommend it. Number one, you mingle with them. Yeah. Then you have sympathy. You actually care. Amen. And then you don't do anything else. And so this is actually 99% of what happens on college campuses. Yeah, people are friends. And people actually care about people, but then there's nothing beyond that. And so, friends, we want to keep going with the blueprint. All right, so I want to just spend a few minutes just sharing testimonies. Is that okay? So God has done a lot through this. So we, we came up with this method based on the Christ Methalone blueprint. So we started looking at, okay, how can we meet needs and make friends? Let's do social things like hikes, games. Let's help people with their stress, teach people about how to do well in school. And then we can have some other elements calling them to Christ, and then eventually have discipleship. So, for instance, hikes is a big thing that we do on Saturday afternoon hikes. Anyone ever been on Saturday afternoon hike? Okay, great. So, if not, it's a good thing. You can do it. It's free. And so, we started doing this with friends. I want to tell you some stories. This girl in the back over there, on the back left, her name is Paula. She started coming out with us and getting involved in the ministry. She, she actually was from Africa. All right, she was from Africa. And so through this, she developed an interest. Well, long story short, she ended up getting Bible studies and ended up becoming baptized a couple years ago, amen, in Seventh Adventist Church. This girl in the pink has a really special story. Her name's Karina. Her old roommate at UC Berkeley was a good friend of hers. And then literally at the end of 2014, that roommate ended up committing suicide. 
freshman, full ride scholarship at UC Berkeley, suicide. Okay, so there was a big blast that went out to all of her friends and friends of friends, and people were really down. This girl, Karina, actually was very down too, and she was even having some suicidal thoughts herself. Now, my wife and a few others really started to befriend her and reach out and be there for her, have lots of conversations. I'm talking dozens and dozens and dozens of hours. Through that, they became really good friends and helped her a lot through it, and she became now interested in spiritual things. She had a Catholic agnostic background. Now she's open, and she's asking for Bible studies and prayer. Well, long story short, she ends up getting baptized a couple months later, amen? And so she's an active member now at the Market Street Church in Oakland, so you can find her there. And so we also do a lot of game nights, too. Any of you guys ever have a game night on a Saturday night? Okay, great. We'll just do that and invite your friends, and that's, that's a lead into more ministry. Amen? So we do this a lot at, at, at the ministry over there. Uh, I want to talk a little about this guy, George. He's wearing the gray sweatshirt up there. So he got plugged in. He also came from a Catholic kind of agnostic background. And through game nights and, and hanging out and having a lot of friends, we started inviting him to other spiritual things, a Friday care group or a church or whatever it might be. Well, he started to come around. And we started to do Bible studies. He ended up moving to Los Angeles, but we continued to do Bible studies over the phone and over Google Hangout. And he actually ended up getting baptized uh, about a year and a half ago or so down in L.A. And so God is able to use this method. It just works when you use this method. Amen? It just works. We actually have a Friday care group that we do on Fridays. And so have you guys ever been to a care group or familiar with the care group model? Okay, oh wow, not a lot of people. This is the amazing model that I've seen for for Friday get-togethers. And so you can learn more about that later. But we started a care group and it started to grow. It started to split and God started to bless. We actually also do a lot of fun things too. And so we have a ski trip that we've done a few times. Uh, This individual on the left, her name's Ella. She actually was Avenus. And so it's not just about evangelism only, but also about discipleship and growth. And so through this effort, she actually got plugged in with us for a year. We had a lot of discipleship times that we would do every week. And she ended up going to Souls West Bible College, where she is right now as we speak. And so God's done some amazing things. The girl next to her named Megan came from an agnostic background. In fact, she's still kind of agnostic. But for a whole year, she had no interest in coming to any spiritual things whatsoever. She would only come to hikes and things like that. And so we had this ski trip, and we told her, well, if you want to come on the ski trip, there is a spiritual time, and so you got to just be willing to attend that. And so she says, okay, fine, I'll come. So she comes, she starts asking a lot of questions about evolution, things like this, and to this day, she's still now an active part of the ministry, even though she's still searching. And so keep her in prayer. Amen. And so there's so many testimonies that we can go through. Edward on the right has a similar experience. But I'm going to keep going here for the sake of time. We go out to dinner. We have a lot of fun. Okay, so one of the things that we started, too, to meet the needs of students was helping them with their grades. All right, because I'm guessing you're a student. You might be interested in doing well in school. And so God actually had an, an interesting experience in my life. I had dropped out of school. When I dropped out, I failed a couple classes and dropped out. All right, I can show you my transcript. But when I went back to school... Now, even though I was backsliding a little bit, I was still keeping the Sabbath. I was eating well. I was getting rest. I wasn't on caffeine or anything like that. And God blessed tremendously. And so my first year back, I ended up getting five A's and five A pluses as a student. And so I started teaching people about how to do well in school based on this. So my wife, through the ministry, found out that students want to know how to do well in school. And so we started a seminar, how to get five A's and five A pluses in one year at UC Berkeley. So we put this little thing out. We actually set up a Facebook event, and we literally just put the event out and started inviting people. And over 860 people signed up to go to this event. And so we're thinking, wow, what? okay, praise the Lord. 
And so we actually ended up having to split it into four events going concurrently. And this became a big thing for a couple years that we would do on the campus, where we would actually teach them how to do well in school and then to go from there. And so this thing was just packed. Again, like literally one out of 100 people were Christian. And zero out of 100 were Adventists. That's the kind of thing that we're doing. And so this is basically how we did this, all right? So we did two overview sessions, one on how to do well on tests, one on how to, well, how to do well on papers. And then we also talked about non-academic things. So we would talk about rest, why you want to take a day off, and we'd present the Sabbath like this. We'd say, look, you want to take a day off every week to rest your brain. So you got to pick Saturday or Sunday. Saturday is the day to pick because the problem with Sunday is you have school the next day. You can never have a full rest day on Sunday. You guys know this growing up. You can never have a good Sunday because you know you have a test the next day. So you got to do Saturday. You got to do it. And then on Friday night, that's the time to really get into it. So start with Friday night and then Saturday. So we would actually teach this in these seminars. Amen. Now, a lot of these people went through the first few seminars and they didn't continue. And six months later, I'd find out there's some agnostic atheist that's a Sabbath keeper on campus because of this thing. Amen. And so, and they'll say, yeah, I started keeping the Sabbath. I, I, or no, they don't say that. They say, I started taking Saturdays off because they don't even know what the Sabbath is yet. And, and they say, it's been great. Da, da, da. And so praise God for that. Sabbath is a good thing, guys. Even, even for non-Christians, the Sabbath is an amazing blessing. That's what I've learned through this. Now, after that, if they're interested, we have an eight-week mentorship program that we were doing where we go more in-depth. So we teach them about reading, writing. Then we get into depression, fitness, rest, leadership, relationships, getting a job. It's basically a new star program wrapped up into an academic seminar. So God bless through this. I want to talk about Alex really quickly as we end. Alex came to the A seminar. And so he was a pre-law student. And he loved it. We became really good friends. And about a year went by after the A seminar. We didn't hear too much from him. Then he graduated UC Berkeley, and he wasn't really sure what got, what, what, where he was going to go after this. Again, still an agnostic at this point. So he comes to, to my wife and I, and, and we become friends and talk again more. Well, now he's actually more open and interested in the spiritual things. It took an extra year after the A seminar before he finally became open. Sometimes these things take a long time, amen? And so he started doing Bible studies with us, and long story short, he was also baptized about a year ago. He's at the Milpitas Seventh Adventist Church. Amen. And so he's really excited for the Lord. Now, quick story. About three years ago, my wife, remember, she had quit her job to do this, right? So after a year, she comes to me and she said, I feel God is calling me to go back and get a job. Now I'm thinking, all right, what's your resume going to look like, right? Quit job a year ago, volunteer, Seventh-day Adventist campus something with no organization, really. How's that going to work? And so I was skeptical. I wasn't sure what was going to happen. Well, within a week, I kid you not, within a week, God gives her a job with the old company that she used to work for, but this time, I kid you not, getting paid three times more than she was getting paid. All right? So you can back up the audio verse and listen to what she got paid before. God actually, <laughs> actually did this thing. I, I kid you not. I was so skeptical about it. Even for a few weeks, I was thinking, this has probably got to be a scam. Come on. And then, then the check hit the bank, and I said, praise the Lord. Because <laughs> we were married by then. And so, so she, knows, she knows that God wants her to do something with this money. That's what she knows. It's not for us. She knows God was trying to do something. So, so she's praying, we're praying, and we realize God wants us to get a student center right next to campus, right where they do the protest on Sproul Plaza at Berkeley, where they have the riots, where they do that. He says, God wants us to get a place there. And he opened the door for us to get a student center there, a 1,000-square-foot student center. And so God has used this over the last few years to, to grow this ministry. And so 
There's so many testimonies that we can keep sharing. I'll share one last one as I end. Um, this is a girl, Chorkeen, very dear to my heart because she's my sister-in-law. And so she went to UC Berkeley in a full-ride scholarship, agnostic Buddhist. Notice the word agnostic keeps showing up. I'm sure you guys might see that at your public campuses too. And so she goes to UC Berkeley. My wife and I are praying for her, trying to reach her to no avail. So anyways, as time goes on, things just keep going and there's different opportunities. Long story short, about six months ago now, she's actually a baptized Southern Adventist Christian, amen? And she's now a missionary with ASAP Ministries in Cambodia. And so it's take, my, my, my moral with this story is sometimes it might take five years. It might take six or seven years, but God is good. And so we have so many testimonies. We can talk later throughout the day. But I want to encourage you guys. What's your method? Use Christ's method. Use Christ's method. Make friends. You guys are already doing that. Make friends. Hang out. Actually care about people. I'm sure you're already doing that. But then actually find ways that you can help them with things that you're good at. It could be anything. It could be school. It could be making friends. It could be baseball. It could be knitting. Whatever. I don't know. Help them with things, okay? (laughs) Whatever you do. Now you're going to gain influence. And then now use that to spread the gospel in love. Does that make sense? So God is good. Here's our contact info. Info at ChristMethodAlone.org is our email address. You can go to ChristMethodAlone.org for the website. And then that number, that's actually my wife's cell phone number. So I, I did tell her right before, right before I came on, I said, I'm going to put your cell phone number on. Okay, honey? But 510-847-1391. So you can text that. That's best. And she'll text you right back. Or you can call it too, but leave a voicemail. All right? Young men, don't, don't be texting late. Okay? Yeah. But uh, <laughs> it's my life. But the reality is, is uh, she's available, okay? And she drives to work every day, about an hour to work and back. So she would love to talk to you on the phone. She would love to pray with you, counsel with you, things like that. If you're on Audioverse, you can also text or call that number too. So thank you so much. We'll be around all day. And God bless all of you guys on your public campuses. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Oh, that, was a, that was wonderful. Thank you very much, Sean. Yeah, I was hearing in Texas, they're, they're actually, um, they see an opportunity when freshmen come in for the first day of school to meet them then, help them with their learning, and then invite them to a fun event where they can build relationships with them. So, oh, thank you, buddy. Man, that was, wasn't that powerful? And he even gave you your contact information so you can, can speak with him. Okay, so we need to end with prayer because we're over time. But I wanted to remind you that uh, my next session will be on how to use small groups to be missionary small groups. And then my last talk tonight will be, or this afternoon, will be on uh, a missionary's best friend, the Holy Spirit. So let's have a word of prayer together. Father, we have been blessed. Our hearts are filled. We've heard some very, very practical things that are helpful to us. We have lots of opportunities out there. And now, Lord, with your wisdom, please guide us. We step forward, Jesus. We move forward. And we ask that you would make the way clear as we move forward. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless. This message was recorded at the GYC to the end in Houston, Texas. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire young people to be Bible-based, Christ-centered, and soul-winning Christians. To download or purchase other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org.